The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today. And our guest is Joel Slack, who is a leader in the national and international mental health consumer advocacy movement. Um, Joel is a graduate of Allegheny College, and he resides in Montgomery, Alabama. And in addition to specialized consultation and training services, he serves on Mrs. Rosalind Carter's mental health task force in Atlanta. Um, thank you for being a guest today, Joel, and we're going to be talking about the Respect Institute, which um, is relatively new to me, so could you tell me what is the Respect Institute? Certainly. Well, it's certainly a pleasure to be on your show today, and uh, yes, the Respect Institute is a uh, program that uh, provides support, technical assistance, and opportunities for people to learn how to tell their stories of their lived experience and recovery and then go out into the community and share those stories. Um, We're a little different than uh, a speaker's bureau, for example, because we have staff that proactively go out in the community and find opportunities for our graduates to, to present at um, we don't wait for anyone to call us. We go out and, for example, um, we're going to reach 100,000 listeners uh, just in the last few years here in Georgia. Um, the, the Respect Institute came out of uh, uh, my personal experience with mental illness and treatment, and I began to learn how to tell my story years ago after I visited a hospital and I was doing some consulting, and I realized that we just saw things so differently than the professionals, and that there weren't very many people, if any at the time, who were sort of presenting the patient's perspective or the consumer perspective. And uh, so I developed this program starting in, um, in Missouri at a state hospital, and I was just startled to realize that so many of the people that were in this hospital had never, ever had a chance to tell their story the way they wanted it to be told. And some of them, if you went into the medical records department, they had charts that were stacked a mile high, you know, several rows of charts for just one patient. And in those charts, everyone else had told their story for them, but they never had an opportunity. So I developed this process by which people learned how to tell their story. They learned to become confident and comfortable telling their story, but they also 
began to heal by being able to put their life in perspective. Um, Maya Angelou once said, there's no greater agony than to bear an untold story. In other words, there's no greater burden than to carry around an untold story, but yet many of us carry around that untold story because we're afraid if we tell someone, we'll stigmatize, they'll be stigmatized. So we hold it inside, and I believe that's toxic. I think it's toxic to hold our stories out. I also realize that when we um, talk about community integration, I wonder sometimes, how could you ever feel like you totally belong to a community if you had to walk around that community hiding something from uh, other people? You know, something as heroic as recovering from a mental illness or perhaps an addiction. You know, healthy communities... The fact is that healthy communities create opportunities for people to share their stories with one another, and that's why they're healthy. They learn from each other. They learn what the other person needs and what their concerns are. The other part that I find to be very helpful is is another statement that Dr. Bill Anthony once said. He said, people who've experienced a mental illness sometimes spend the rest of their life trying to make sense out of experiences that never made any sense. And what we do in the Respect Institute is we help people find tangible ways of describing some of these experiences that are really difficult to make sense of during our mental illness. So it's a process by which there's a lot of self-help dynamics. We have about 10 people at a time in our trainings. And they support and honor each other by giving feedback and advice on how to construct their story and then how to present it. And uh, so, you know, there's many ways that I describe it. Uh, I I told a group the other day that it's sort of like a sculptor. You know, you start off with all this raw material from your lived experience and you chip away at it until you, at one point, have this beautiful piece of artwork. And in in this context, you chip away at all the underbrush, all the stuff that you think about that really is not a priority, but that, you know, is the chaos, for example, of, of some mental illnesses and challenges. You cut that away until you have this beautiful story. And... Um, You know, just quoting Maya Angelou one more time, another quote she said is, a bird doesn't sing because it has an answer. It sings because it has a song. And we like to look at our our graduate stories as their song. And uh, when they go out and present it, it's very inspiring and transformative to the people that hear their story. So I, there's so many great uh, things you just mentioned, and one of the ones, could you share a little bit about, um, because the image of rows and rows of, of charts on someone, and, and none of that is in their own words, can you give an example of how different um, somebody perceives their own mental illness as opposed to how um, the treatment providers um, view it? Well, it's not just the treatment providers, because in people's charts, there's historical perspectives uh, from family members and interviews with loved ones and spouses and brothers and sisters. And so 
everyone has had an opportunity to tell this person's story. So many times, uh, it's, it's when professionals, you know, when they write in the chart, it's, it's more of a, got a clinical nature to it. Uh, it has to do with treatment and that type of thing. But when a, when a patient or a peer tells their story, it's much more personable and the humanity of that person is revealed. The spirit of that person is revealed. And you don't find any of that in the charts. Um, even the sense of humor of people is not found in the charts. You, you only hear it when somebody stands up in front of you and shares their story and, and spices it up with their own sense of humor. Um, so, you know, and, and again, when, when family members are interviewed, the content of what's in the chart is mostly about what the person, the patient did wrong or the kind of, you know, behavior that they were exhibiting before they went into the hospital. And, you know, it's just people who go through mental illnesses and addictions they want to talk about what it was like to walk down the street homeless uh, without, you know, uh, food, without treatment uh, being offered or opportunities for, for good treatment. They want to talk about the loss of friends and loved ones. Um, they want to talk about their recovery. That's the most exciting part of the Respect Institute story is we we help people strike that balance of a good, balanced story. You know, in other words, they, have the, they talk about their childhood. They talk about their teenage years. They, they, they talk about the struggles and the pain they went through. But they inspire people by talking about their recovery and their goals. And all of our Respect Institute presentations end with people sharing three pieces of advice. And those are the gems of wisdom that come from people's lived experience. And, you know, people have so much wisdom that they've gained from recovering from these challenges um, that the Respect Institute tries to smoke those out, so to speak, so that the people can share that in an educational way with whomever is listening to their story. So, you know, the whole idea is to educate people through their story. Um, and every story is so different. Everybody has a very unique experience when it comes to both mental illness and substance use disorders and addiction. And um, I'm wondering, you know, um, what, what is your ultimate goal? Um, for this? Well, gosh, there's probably multiple goals in this. One is to help people to heal by being able to put their, their experiences in perspective, um, to make peace with their past, if you will. And we've just found that when people get clarity to their story, um, it's easier to move on with their life it's easier to move on with their recovery um, because by, learn, by learning, getting clarity to your past experiences, 
you release a lot of baggage, if you will, a lot of uh, pain, because as people learn how to tell their stories, their stories evolve, and they usually evolve from talking about all the suffering to talking about how resilient and strong they are. So you can see how the shift in how people feel about themselves just by learning how to tell their story. They go from being a victim sometimes to being a person of strength and resilience, and that's their story. So it makes them aware of that. So that's the transformative effect from that perspective. The transformative effect to the listener is that the studies that, well, I don't want to get into data, but there's a, there seems to be an agreement in principle that when someone stands up and tells their story in person, that it allows the listener to not only hear the story, but look the person in the eyes and get a glimpse of that person's humanity. And if you can get a glimpse into someone's humanity, you're more likely going to treat them with respect. So that's one of the ultimate goals of the Respect Institute is that it will destigmatize mental illnesses, that listeners will immediately be transformed into having more um, respect for the person. And, you know, if you... For anyone who's doubting that, all you got to do is look on TV and there's people doing our horrible things to other people. And it's because they don't see the humanity in that person. Um, and so the, our, our, our premise is, is that if you can reveal that humanity, people will see it, see it and they'll, they'll treat you, the person with more respect. There are lots of other things that I could talk about that have to do with my goal, ultimate goal, but those are the two perhaps most important ones. Um, th- those are wonderful goals, and we'll be right back after this commercial to talk more about the Res- Respect Institute and your work there. Okay. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence based practices, consensus practices, and old fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present and learn to live your life's infinite potential. It's time to experience Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with host Rochelle McLaughlin. Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well-being and learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. 
Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health & Wellness Channel. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Joel Slack, who is a national and international mental health consumer advocate, and he has also, over his 30-year career, helped to transform mental health systems by spearheading the creation of senior management positions for peers, reform the culture of mental health organizations by sharing his respect seminar to over 400,000 participants in 42 countries. And most recently, he developed the Respect Institute, a program that helps participants to heal and prepares them to competently articulate and share their stories of recovery to audiences across the state of Missouri and Georgia. And I just want to share that um, that both people who are in recovery in mental illness and substance use disorders attend the Respect Institute. So um, you're you're very open to recovery of any type. Right, we don't. We don't see any difference between who comes. Our our only focus is their story, because there's there's gems of wisdom in everyone's story of recovery. What uh, one of the questions I had when you were from the last segment was this transformative effect not only of the individual but also of the mental health system. Um, what, what have you seen happen within mental health systems as a result of, of people claiming their voice and telling their stories? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, the first is is that uh, in the state of Georgia and Missouri, uh, most um, conferences and, and meetings, executive meetings, they start off with a Respect Institute speaker. And what they have found is that when you start off a conference or an executive meeting with one of our speakers, that it helps to warm people up as to why they're there in the first place. Um, it helps to get people focused on why they're there and who they're there to, to uh, you know, talk about whether it's finances or housing or employment. Uh, but but getting that real life, that that lived experience is key to generating a good meeting. Um, the other is is that most me- state mental health agencies, or many of them, I should say, um, generally have the same people coming up to the state offices to, you know, present their grievances or their issues. 
to advocate. Now, some states are more progressive than others, but the, the truth is, is that in, that when a, when a group of people can learn how to articulate their lived experiences more effectively, it's easier for them to demonstrate a point that they're trying to make to the bureaucracy by using their lived experience. In other words, uh, you know, it's one thing to reference some clinical data in order to advance a theory that you have or a concept. But for consumers and peers, what we have to do is use our, use our stories of lived experience to advance our concepts, to advance our theories. So what it's done is it's helped people to understand more effectively what it is we want when people can articulate their experiences. Um, but, you know, it's not limited to just the system. Um, a lot of the people that go through our, our program, um, they don't want to be public speakers, but what they want to do is go share their story on a more interpersonal level, whether they're, you know, in, in, in an intimate relationship with someone or if they, and they, they get to a point where they want to bear their soul and share their story, I mean, I guess my question would be is, wouldn't it be good to have taken time to think about how you want to present that to someone or in a job interview? Wouldn't it be good to have practice on how to present your story? Um, But many, what we've heard from is many people going home and actually telling their parents their story, and for the very first time, their parents understood what it was they went through. And um, we even had, recently, we've had one person who went before a judge, and instead of trying to defend himself, he just presented his Respect Institute story. And after he was done, the judge said, you know, if I would have been locked in a closet for weeks at a time when I was young, I would have probably grown up and been as angry as you, too. But so I'm going to provide an alternative approach to prison then because I feel for you. Um, you know, we had one gentleman say that he wished he'd have had it uh, the Respect Institute six months ago because he'd gone to his 15th year high school reunion and everybody knew that he had been sick and been in prison. And, and he said everyone asked him very politely what had happened. But he said he didn't know what to tell them. He said he had never thought about how to communicate his story to someone and 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 so he went he said that every night for the that weekend he felt like he stigmatized himself more because he was so awkward in trying to communicate his story but now that he's taken the respect institute he said gosh you know i i can confidently articulate my story to somebody i can comfortably tell them and in his last comment was is I, I, w- I can't believe I waited so long to learn how to tell my story. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits, a lot of possibilities that come out of learning how to tell your story. They're not just systemic ones or bureaucratic ones. They can be with just interpersonal relationships. Exactly. I mean, I think the media demonizes both mental illness and addiction 
and so that the face of that um, of mental illness or addiction are, are sometimes almost caricatures of the people that really experience those illnesses, and and oftentimes it's the worst case scenario that gets put to the media. So being able to put a human experience to this, I think, is really crucial. And then we and we do it one story at a time. Or we're not we're not a big campaign, you know, a PR campaign. We just believe we don't uh, publish our stories in text or narrative form. We don't we don't audio tape them. We believe that it's crucial that the person speaks in person so that the people in the audience can feel their humanity. I, I would agree with that. I think it's... Um, I, I asked you uh, before we started that um, what the difference between this was and NAMI's In Your Own Voice. And could Because I know some of our listeners are very familiar with that NAMI program. So how is this different? Mm-hmm. Well, um, first let me say that we're very supportive of any program that encourages people to tell their story. Um, but the Respect Institute is really designed to help people heal. So we have a, it's a three and a half day program and it's very process oriented. So the first day there's a casual sharing about one's experience, um, But in this process, we take full advantage of self-help dynamics or peer support dynamics because we believe that a person really has, it's difficult to learn how to tell your story on your own. So when the other 10 or 11 people in the room begin to support you and point out perhaps some salient points or who emphasize and say, gosh, that was really a great point that you made. It helps people to better construct their story and to have, and that by having this feedback. So people come to the Respect Institute and we don't tell them what they have to talk about. We give them a, a, a story timeline to give them some context of what, how important it is to tell your story chronologically. But we, it's, again, it's very, there's lots of discussion, there's lots of tears shed because we have a lot of people who, some, you know, a lot of times it's not uncommon to have someone, you know, st- stand up and, and talk about being abused physically or sexually or neglected. And, and, and what happens is when that person is brave enough to do it, if you've created a safe environment, then someone else in that in that same group will then step forward and say, well, you know, that happened to me too. And so, you know, it's we don't just... I, I tell people, yes, we do help people learn how to tell their story, but perhaps just as importantly is we help people to listen to other people's story. And... One of the reasons that this works so effectively in the state of Georgia is because there's such a big recovery movement here and there's 1,400 certified peer specialists. And one of the primary roles of a peer, certified peer specialist is to listen to 
to other people's story and to share their own experiences. So this is, you know, sort of adjunct training for certified peer specialists. Um, it, it's hard to know how difficult it is to tell your story if you've never tried to yourself. Well, exactly. And I think um, <clears throat> I think sometimes the more we talk about um, our, our stories, as you said earlier, the more we come to terms with that and the more we can move on from that and, and really embrace all that recovery has to offer. Right. How do you define recovery? How do you conceptualize that? Well... I, I, you know, I've been in the advocacy movement for 30-some years now, and uh, and I I don't know if I define it, uh, you know, uh, everybody defines it, you know, personally and a little in quite in their own unique uh, framework. And I, I look at the ultimate defini- definition of recovery is having peace of mind. I don't look at recovery based on whether someone's achieved uh, accreditation or if they've got a job or if they've got a relationship or they're going to school. Now, that may be important to some people, and that may be their recovery journey. But, you know, you can have a really good job and still be in turmoil, you know, in your mind. You can still be suicidal and be in college. You can be suicidal and have and be making fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, so to me, it's not necessarily what you achieve. The goal is to have peace of mind, it, especially if you've lost that at some point in your life. You begin to realize how important it is to have that clarity and that centeredness by not being preoccupied with thoughts and feelings and, and, and that are, you know, part of an illness. Uh, and there's just the depression that comes with those illnesses. So that's how I define it, and that's why I do this, do the work that I do, is because I'm less concerned about the, the, the ultimate result for me is not whether someone goes out and and does this or this or that. My goal is to help them to walk out of the Respect Institute feeling at peace with themselves, that they've gotten comfortable in taking a look at their story, reviewing it, wading through it in some cases, and then getting comfortable talking. Well, and we'll be right back to talk more about the Respect Institute with Joel after this break. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today is Joel Slack, who is a national, new national um, leader in the mental health consumer advocacy movement. And um, we've been talking about the Respect Institute, which helps people in recovery from either mental illness or substance use disorders or both um, learn to organize and construct and customize their personal story and then helps them facilitate speaking engagements in their community so that um, we can put a voice and we can put a face on mental illness and recovery and um, co-occurring disorders in recovery and addiction in recovery. And this is so important, especially in today's world where we have sound bites and we have caricatures of people with um, mental illness and addiction. And uh, Joel, you, you were saying that the Institute is three days and this Institute can go... It's Mobile Institute. This isn't a bricks and mortar where everyone c- comes to you. Right, right, right. And um, yes, uh, this we we what we do is we will go in generally and contract with the state Department of Mental Health to implement the program. Uh, we don't just go in and, and do some piecemeal work because um, there's actually a, a potential for problems if someone isn't trained carefully uh, and comprehensively on how to help people tell their story. Um, you can actually, you know, cause damage in, in some cases if someone is judgmental, for example, or insensitive to someone's uh, sharing of their story. So, it's a, it takes quite some time. It takes it's a long-term investment, 
Um, but, uh, you know, we have more data now, and we have a lot more uh, insight as to the the impact of our, our speakers. Uh, I mean, I, I was just the other day reading an article about uh, how a couple of researchers, they, they found that when you explain mental illnesses biogenetically, that it actually reduces the empathy that clinicians have towards people with mental illness. Um, that, you know, and, and again, that's one of the reasons why we talk about the humanistic experience, because we try to stay away from that medical explanation because it in, desensitizes the professionals when they only put it in the context of, of a medical model. Um, the other, um, you know, results as we, for example, we, we've been working with, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, the Morehouse School of Medicine. Um, about three days ago, we presented uh, at, uh, to 85 first-year medical students. And it was just really amazing to see them, how they sort of lit up when we started talking about recovery. And I'm beginning to think that we need to take the, uh, the curriculum of recovery into, you know, elementary and teenage uh, school, you know, middle schools um, to, to begin exposing and teaching people about what recovery means because many of these first-year medical students, they'd never heard of anything like it. They were just amazed, and they were young and ambitious, and they were excited about this positive approach to dealing with an illness. Um, well, a year ago when we spoke to the Morehouse School of Medicine, we, um, the, they did a, a survey, and they, there was 21% of the students I think there were 82 respondents, said that the Respect Institute story was of good educational value, but 70% thought it was of very high educational value. Now, remember, we're not presenting data. We're not talking about how many out of four or five people become sick. All we're talking about is someone's story. And so that is... For them to see that as an educational value, I think affirms uh, the the importance of people talking about their recovery journey. Um, Fifty well, eighty five percent of the the students um, said that it gave them an improved comfort level or a very high level of comfort in interacting with people with mental illness. So just by, you know, being in a classroom with these, our, our graduates who are sharing their story, they became more comfortable in wanting to, in being able to interact with uh, or just be around people with mental illness. So, you know, you ha- people have to be transformed individually before you can transform the culture. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to just transform people one story at a time. Ninety-one percent of the of the respondents said that it uh, increased their level of respect for individuals with mental health challenges, or to uh, it 
48% to a very large degree increase their level of respect. So once again, when you share that vulnerability and that humanity with people, it's easier for them to be respectful towards you. And then 90% of the, the students, the respondents, said that the presentations were effective in combating stigma. Um, and out of that 90%, 56% said that they were very highly effective in combating stigma. So, in other words, you don't necessarily need a big public relations campaign to minimize or eliminate stigma. That many times you can just do it one story at a time or, or, or presenting that lived experience. Yeah, it's like the ripple in the, the pond, right? You put in a little Absolutely. pebble and then it ripples all the way around the pond. And, you know, again, and that's just one group of our listeners. You know, there's still the, you know, we have a big pool of speakers now. I mean, we have we have standing invitations at all the, many of the universities, uh, whether they be medical students social work students, whether they be um, nurses. I mean, we had a group of nurses at one university who actually did their rotation at a state hospital, and they still didn't know anything about recovery. I mean, it wasn't until our speakers talked about their own personal recovery, and some of them who had done their rotation at the state hospital said, you mean people really recover from mental illnesses? And, of course, they said, well, sure we do. And they never saw that because they worked in the hospital where people were very sick. But it just it seems to me that the approach to treatment would be different if they knew that people actually recovered. And they could even work in confidence that and, and treat people, you know, in these programs with confidence that they will recover. Or the expectation to, that they would recover, and then they will. I mean, if you if you don't expect people to get better, then what you're transmitting to them is a sense of hopelessness, and um, it's futile. And I think if you absolutely. expect people to recover, um, then you're transmitting hope and the expectation that you can do this. You you have the capacity to um, overcome this and and have peace of mind and and recovery. Absolutely. You know, you yeah. were talking earlier about resilience and how people, if they become more accustomed to talking about their story, they then evolve into their own, more talking about their recovery, and it demonstrates the resilience that people have. And um, so much of our medical treatment, it's, it's, it's really focused on the symptoms and the illness. So in order to um, achieve benefits from Medicaid or Medicare or Social Security, it's, the focus is always on what you can't do as opposed to the resilience of the resiliency of, of your of yourself or your strengths and and the system's almost well it is almost it's set up to just create that that illness kind of embracing the illness as opposed to embracing recovery. Do you see that changing at all? Well, I see it changing through these stories, but I, I you know. Again, transformation has to develop, is, is done individually first. 
And interestingly enough, where I see the first phase of transformation is actually in the peer, in the consumer, who begins, as they begin to tell their story, they begin to realize that they are more than just their illness. You know, we hear this all the time, you know, you're not your diagnosis. But it's not until people stand up at a podium and own their story and learn how to tell their story that they begin to recognize that they are very powerful, strong, resilient, tough, heroic people. And they, they like that. They like being aware of that. I mean, we, I've watched hundreds of people go through the Respect Institute and you can just see the lights going on when they start talking about, you know, what they did to overcome their illness or, or what they're doing now and how much progress they've made. And, and when you have a group of 10 other people in the room who are, you know, applauding them and, and encouraging them and telling them what, what they learn from them, it makes them begin to realize that uh, their whole experience was not in vain, that there was a lot to learn from. And, uh, you know, within the CPS training, Certified Peer Specialist training, you know, the whole concept is giving back. Well, people begin to realize that they have more to give back to somebody when they recognize the other half to the equation, which is that resilience. That's that's exactly right, and I think we need to focus more on resilience um, in our treatment programs as well. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking with our guest, Joel Slack, who has developed the Respect Institute. And um, what people learn there are the skills necessary to transform their experiences of mental illness, treatment, and recovery into educational and inspirational presentations. Um, and these are happening in Missouri and Georgia. Is that right, Joel? Right. So we started in Missouri uh, the first one was done in 2002, and then it took some time for it to, to develop, um, but uh, it went statewide uh, once they received a transformation grant from SAMHSA. And, uh, you know, one thing I didn't mention is that in, in both Missouri and in Georgia, there, the Respect Institute presenters, uh, it's mandatory during the new employee orientations uh, for the new, the new uh, employees to uh, hear Respect Institute speakers. Um, in, in Georgia, you know, all the, the hospital new employee orientations were on the top of the agenda um, because it's been shown to help people who've not ever been involved in the mental health field to a better, you know, window a picture into what they'll be doing and and what the results can be if they do it well. You know, so are these the I only did... two states that people that you do the Respect Institute, or are can people from other states um, access this training? Yes, I, I, I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm available to help a state develop such a program, the Respect Institute program. Um, you know, it, again, it is an investment, a long-term investment, and, uh, but I think that if someone were interested, um, there's enough references and enough data now to indicate the the benefits of, of the Respect Institute. Um, you know, you, people can call, contact me directly. I, I, my uh, email address is, is joelslack at earthlink.net. And um, they're certainly welcome to communicate with me uh, that way. Or my phone is 334 546 Seven eight eight five, and I'd be willing to to uh, talk with them about uh, you know the the program in more depth. Uh, we we've gotten so big in Georgia that uh, it's been taking up you know the majority of my work time. I, I live just a couple hours from Atlanta, and uh, I spend most of my time in Georgia. But it's really 
you know, it's, it's, Georgia has sort of been a leader in the recovery movement and the certified peer specialist movement. So it fits in very well here in Georgia. Um, and do you have a website? I don't have a website right now. Um, okay. There's another program that has a similar name, um, but it's not of Georgia. And uh, But we don't have a website right now simply because we're really sort of working only within the state right now. We're still, you know, developing. We have 750 respect institute graduates at this point. We do about 24 trainings per year. Um, and again, they're each three and a half days. But, um, but we, you know, we have a waiting list just to give you an idea how people have, by word of mouth, have heard about the Respect Institute. We have a waiting list of about 150 individuals who want to participate and 20 agencies that want to participate. And we're just, you know, constantly in motion trying to fit in as many people as we can to each program um, and to, to, you know, all over the state of Georgia. So... You know, I think that when people recognize that there's a healing benefit to a program, they're pretty eager to find out more about it, and that's what we're experiencing right now. Is there a certain amount of time in recovery that somebody needs to have in order to attend a training? You know, that's a wonderful question, and uh, we have found that, um, that yeah, when people are... are are just coming, you know, out of the hospital or having some difficult, you know, having some difficulties that it's a little more challenging for them. But what what we've also found is that um, the biggest indicator of a successful Respect Institute training is whether somebody wants to tell their story. If they really want to tell their story, then there are no limitations that will interfere with their ability to do that. Uh, We've had people who have had multiple disorders, uh, intellectual disabilities and mental illness, and the clinicians didn't think that they were well enough to participate. I mean, I, I hear it all the time. Clinicians will say, well, you know, they're they're really not able to sit through such a long program. We have never had a problem like that. When people realize that it's that they're going to be learning how to tell their story, they sit through three and a half days very easily. Um, and it's very inspiring when people who do have, you know, increased challenges in their life, whether they be physical or, 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 or psychiatric mental problems or addictions. It's more inspiring when you hear stories from people like that and that they've recovered and they've overcome things. And it's, it's, it's not just taking off in the mental health field, but, you know, and you said it yourself, recovery really has no boundaries. Um, we're working now with the cross-disability community, because, you know, they have a story, too, uh, right. learning how to function in this world with a, with cerebral palsy or, 
you know, um, whatever challenge they may have, and an inability to to move physically, you know, using a chair, a wheelchair. And many of them have had psychiatric issues as a result of those problems. Um, but that's not the point. The point is, is that they have a story and they want to tell it. Um, is there a companion program for families that want to tell their story? That you know, we're, uh, there's no question we're moving in that direction, um, but we're just not there yet. Uh, you know, this is the second state that's taken it. I, I've developed this program quite organically. I didn't sit down and just write it, the manual. It's been about 12 years 13 years now of research and testing, and and I think that we've got it down now to where we, you know, we still learn different things, but it we have the, the process and the program down pat. Um, but I think we're moving in that direction. And I also should tell you that there's a lot of talk about uh, professionals and administrators working in the bureaucracy uh, about the benefit of them telling, learning how to tell their stories of, of recovery as well. Well, thank you so much for spending this hour with us and sharing us sharing with us about the Respect Institute and um, how important it is for people to tell their stories and to own their stories. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a great week, everyone. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.